Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my co-host, Chris Kay. This week, we're doing things a little different. We took a fan suggestion, and this week, it's Old Testament versus New Testament, and these aren't Bible stories either. Darius from Westland, Michigan, sent in his episode suggestion, and we thought it was a great idea. We're going to compare songs from their first four albums versus their last four albums. Since that's a lot of ground to cover, we picked a song each from these eight albums to discuss in depth. We'll also talk about any lineup changes. I'll give a bit of a recap on each album, and in the end, we'll determine which era we think is better. Last week, we gave you Motorhead's Greatest Hits Volume 2. To hear what we came up with for Volume 2, download the episode from your favorite podcast platform, and while you're at it, click the subscribe button, and you'll get our latest episode every time it comes out. So Chris, we have a full episode dedicated to a fan suggestion. This is Old Testament versus New Testament. We're talking about the band here. It's not Bible stories. So I think that's a pretty cool suggestion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was one when you brought it to me, I was like, yeah, I, I like the idea, you know, because there are two very distinct sounds. Well, even between that, there's more distinct sounds for the band, but there's two very prominent eras because those, you know, those albums in between the ones we're going to talk about are all kind of all over the place, you know, different styles. There's a death metal album, groove metal, a regular heavy metal album. These are really the two main portions, you know. Yeah, you could look at Testament as you like literally, you know, Old Testament, New Testament. With that Middle Testament, it, it was very discombobulated. Is really a good word. It, it was it was hard to describe what they, what they really were, and they went through a lot, a lot of lineup changes. There was a lot of flux in the band, mm-hmm. and it, it was just uh, there was not a lot of focus. I guess you could put it that way. Um, but these two eras, old versus new, is definitely a very good comparison and because there's a lot of stability in the beginning and up until recently there has been a lot of stability with this band and we'll get a little bit into that later uh, when we talk about who's who in the band Um, but speaking of who's who so the old testament comprised of chuck billy on vocals eric peterson on guitars alex skolnick on guitars greg christian on bass and Louis Clementi on drums. That lineup stayed together for the first five Testament albums. And that's that's saying something. And those five Testament albums all came out within, what, a five-year period, six-year period? That's yeah, a, that's a brief amount of time, really. It, it's a brief amount of time. It's a lot to come out with in, in uh, that short period of time. And when you think about once they released their first album, The Legacy, which we're going to get into now... Um, they literally put out an album almost every year, and that's that's insane to think about that that pace to try, to try and keep up that pace. I mean, it's literally album tour, album tour, album tour, album tour, album tour, and you know it 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 wears on uh, on somebody, and it, it it eventually wore on these guys because it it didn't give them personal time. You know, and I think that's the reason why Alex ended up leaving and then eventually Louis left. You know, this, that kind of shit drains on you. Um, so we're here. At, so we're going to start with um, the first album, The Legacy. 
uh, which came out in 1987. Um, that album was produced by Alex Perialis. It was released April 21st, 1987. It was released on Atlantic Megaforce Records. They basically had a distribution, or Megaforce had a distribution deal with Atlantic. Um, and it was recorded at Pyramid Studios, or Pyramid Sound Studios in Ithaca, New York. And that was basically the home studio for most of the Megaforce roster. Um, basically, Johnny Z sent everybody up there to Ithaca to go ahead and get their album recorded. It was like an in-house studio for them. Um, Anthrax, Overkill, you know, uh, Testament, they all all signed to Megaforce at one point, and they all went up to, to uh, Pyramid Sound. So um, you want to go over thoughts on the album first, or you want to go over the songs first? What do you want to do? Let's go over the songs first. Okay. All right, so to kind of reiterate what we what we're talking about, we're going to pick we each each of us picked one song from the early albums and from the latter albums and uh, that we chose you chose the songs as it's kind of a good representation of the of the album and where the band was at at the time. So, uh, we each chose a different song so that we can give a good representation of of the album. Um, so for this album the legacy i chose burnt offerings i wanted to choose a different song um but as you'll hear later there's a reason why i didn't pick the song i picked so anyway i picked burnt offerings um that to me is a really cool song i love the fact that the melody um and the riff that 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 alex and eric are playing is literally duplicated by chuck's vocal melody vocal lines um I think that's really cool. It's not very common for something like that to happen, literally like note for note type of thing. Um, so that's one of the things I really like about that song. The song picks up the pace a little bit right before it gets to the solo. It keeps that pace up for a while, then it kind of slows down when it gets back to the final verse, and then the song is done. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool song. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? So one thing that I, I can say is, so Testament comes in, and we, we went over this on, we, we did our History of Thrash Metal series. Um, you know, they come in as kind of that second generation of thrash metal bands. And this this song, I mean, it's really cool. Has, you know, the, the pretty neat intro. Um, the riff is one of the most memorable on the album. Um, you know, it's got all the typical trappings of early thrash and, and part of that is like the, they definitely are falling, following in the shoes of bands like Metallica and Anthrax, et cetera, who've already kind of been in this ground. Um, it doesn't mean it's not their own thing, but at the same time you can hear some similarities, right? Um, I would say that the solo is very reminiscent of the stuff that Dave Mustaine was doing with Metallica at first. You know, because the way he he wrote solos is a little bit different than, you know, what Kirk would do a little later. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I this sounds very similar to that. And it's something that you would hear grow as we would talk more about, you know, the different albums where, you know, um, Alex Skolnick is a really great player. And I think beyond this album, he grows quite a bit. Uh, not not necessarily, and and so does the band as a whole, but um, not necessarily just falling into the thrash genre. There's more and more to the band as they grow. However, 
I really like this because it is so raw. It is so um, representative of thrash at its beginnings. And it's, it's a, it's just a really fun song that is very memorable. Yes, it is. That's part of why I like that song a lot because of that hook, that, that melody, the hook between the guitar players and Chuck is, is a big reason why I like this song a lot. Um, so what was the song that you picked? So I picked Over the Wall, and, you know, to some degree, it's a fairly typical thrash song. Uh, it's it's Testament's first single. So while there's a few songs that I might consider better on the album, such as Alone in the Dark and even First Strikes is Deadly, um, I think this is really warranting discussion because of its impact. Like, it is their first single. It's their, you know, first time saying this is you know something you should buy to understand who we are as a band um what i really like about over over the wall is it has a lot of energy to kick things off you know it's the it's the opening track on the album and it's got such a cool riff the solo is is honestly one of the best on the album which makes sense because it is the single you know you want to you want to show off with your single um and I like the over offset drums overlaid on the solo, which is really cool. Um, and probably one of my favorite moments on the album. One thing I like about it is, you know, this is, what, 1987? Yeah. Um, so this is, this is an era where I, you know, I was a kid and, um, you know, playing Nintendo games. So... There's there's something that like Nintendo games, especially games like Mega Man, had always had a, like a, a metal aspect to the to the music. It was it was easily translatable into metal, and so bands like Testament, especially in this this era, they always had a very strong similarity to the the way that the music was written, even though it was like digital, you know, eight bit sounding music. But these two went hand in hand, and when you were a kid growing up like my age you like it was really easy to get into metal because the music in video games and stuff was so similar at the time so it was it was like I, i'll always kind of equate this album the new order and stuff like that with you know that time period of my life of you know playing games in the early 80s and and i'm sorry late 80s and early 90s that's that's an interesting comparison because i I'm not a gamer. I've never been much of a gamer. I mean, I I had periods in which I did stuff and I played video games. But to show you how old I am, I had was given one of the original like Pong games back in the, in the, the Pong s- console. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I you know, doop, 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 you know that yeah. just <laughs> well that that's the thing. Like there were consoles specifically made for. Pong. That's all they did was they were called Pong consoles. Yeah. And different companies put them out. So this was even like before Atari became really a big thing, etc. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, you know, so me being such a, a huge gamer, my aunt, you know, is 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 getting ready to get me a gift, and she says, "Which one do you want? Do you want the Atari twenty six hundred? Do you want the fifty two hundred that had just come out?" And so I like, well, there's only like five games for the twenty, the fifty two hundred, but twenty six hundred has a whole bunch. I had no idea about compatibility and stuff and like that. And you made the right choice because the fifty two hundred was garbage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it was funny because the the you know from there things go on. You know, and and you move on. I was always a step behind. Yeah. So 
I've never really gotten to video games, but I understand the comparison. And uh, it is definitely something that you had to be into to really kind of to, yeah. to blend those two worlds. Um, so this album, one of the things about this album that's it's interesting is it has a lot of leftover stuff from the Steve Souza era of the band. And between lyrics and very uh, uh, occult-related imagery, and um, the lyrics are very occult-related lyrics, very dark themes, and it's really in the in in over over the course of their their history, that's not who Testament is, you know. And it would as soon as Chuck joined the band, the the lyrics that Chuck would come up with. While they may be on the dark side in certain cases, there was it was a lot more poetic and it was a lot more symbolic rather than a direct reference, you know. And and that I think it, that I personally think that helped Testament achieve greater success than some of the other bands that would that would be in that same time period, like Exodus, specifically. Because yeah, guess oh, who I mean, was in Exodus? Yeah, Steve yeah, yeah I was going to say that's that's an obvious one, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I I mean I can I can definitely agree with that, and I have more to say on that as we go, because mm-hmm. um, that is a, a point that needs to be brought up on occasion. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, I mean I think it's a great first outing. You know, it's very brutal, very raw, has a ton of attitude. It's very similar to what some of their contemporaries were doing before and around the same time. Um, and, but we love it for what it is. You know, it's it's a great early thrash band's first album. And like you said, the, the lyrics are a bit different because Steve Souza was, you know, the primary lyricist at the time. Then Chuck Billy comes in after he he leaves the band. He only has one writing credit on the album. And that's always going to be something that affects later, you know, aspects of the band. So there's how many times have you heard of of a singer coming in, replacing an original singer? Um, Skid Row comes to mind. You know, Sebastian doesn't really have very many writing credits on the first album. um, But that album is still synonymous with him. Right. So same thing here. Chuck Billy is the sound of Testament, although his voice would change as time goes on, uh, not just in maturity and age, but um, he would actually experiment with different vocal styles, etc. So this is take it for what it is. You know, it's a it's a raw album. If you really like those first albums from bands, uh, you know, you're, you're a big fan of the first couple albums from Metallica or Megadeth or, you know, some of these guys, you're going to really enjoy it. It's a very typical thrash album. Yes, it is very typical thrash album. And, and they, they, you know, back then that's what attracted me. I saw, I saw the video for over the wall on MTV, on the Headbangers Ball, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I was I was interested, and it wasn't until the this next album, which is the New Order, which came out twelve and a half months later, that things really for me started rolling with Testament. Um, the New Order came out in nineteen eighty eight, came out May fifth, nineteen eighty eight. Once again, produced by Alex Alex Perialis, and once again on Atlantic Megaforce Records, and once again recorded at Pyramid Sound Studios in Ithaca, New York. So there's a lot of similarities there. So you take those those first two albums are produced in, or produced by the same guy, recorded in the same studio, um, but you can see 
there's a huge difference in songwriting from one album to the next. And for me, um, one of the biggest differences, yet there's a, 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 a big similarity, is this, the, the title track, The New Order. Um, there is the style of Louis Clementi that he, play, he likes to play offbeat. Um, and that's something that we talked about back on uh, episode 38 when we did a head-to-head with The New Order versus Practice What You Preach. Um, Louis' drumming was almost progressive in a way, but yet not necessarily um, not necessarily off time, but off beat. It's a, it, the, the title track, The New Order, is a great song, and it's worthy of being a title track. Um, it is a classic thrash type song, and I liked it a lot. It's, and it's got a really cool melodic chorus, um, and the solo is really well thought out. I mean, Alex Skolnick and you referenced it earlier, is a very, very talented musician. I have to say this about Testament. I think all the guys in Testament at this time, all five guys are very, very talented musicians. And Chuck Billy and Alex Skolnick stand out a lot. And and I'll get more into Chuck Billy a little bit later. Um, I really like this song. What do you think about it? So what I like about the New Order is the band has a bit more technical edge, kind of like what you said. Um, they, they've clearly kind of progressed from where they started and they have a little bit more synergy, you know, now that Chuck's in the band, he's writing music for them or writing lyrics and they kind of have a better feel for who they are as a group. They're, you know, more in tune with each other. It sounds great. They're, they're honing in on each other as musicians and and meshing so the only thing i that i always and i brought this up in the episode that we talked about uh, uh the head to head um the only thing that always threw me off about this track is you have the eerie inhabitants where everything sounds very clear and then this track immediately follows it and um I always feel like Chuck's vocals, they don't fall further back in the mix necessarily because they're still at the same level. But there's maybe there's more reverb or something, but they're not quite as clear as that first track. And then it kind of goes back to being more clear as it goes on. So I don't know what that is about it. It's, it's a little muddier, but it doesn't take away anything. It's just one of those things. Like if you've listened to this album time and time again, you start to pick up on little subtleties and stuff and that's always one thing that's that's kind of stuck out to me but it's a minor thing um the guitar solo is is one of the most interesting on the album entirely it's like three or four solos in one there's a lot of ideas they work really well together um there's this part where alex kind of repeats the same uh melody and then kind of flies all over the guitar and it sounds great. Like I, I, he keeps, he keeps going back to that, that same point though, where he repeats the same thing and then, you know, explores the guitar. That's the best way I can say it. It's, I, I really like it. I mean, I like the album as a whole. Um, I can't remember what direction at the time I went with, you know, which album I picked was better between the two, but a new order always sticks out to me it's 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 one of those albums where you can hear the band kind of coming into their own like you mentioned earlier 
Yeah, you to to go back to to touch on what you said about Alex. Um, one thing I think about the solo, it, this solo because of the way it is, to me is very very thought out. I mean, that's one of those solos where yes. they, they, he did homework. He's like, all right, we're going to do this here. We're going to do this here. And they broke it down. So, yeah, that, that's a really cool solo, and I do like it a lot. And and I agree with you with the with the meshing and everything like that, and the band sounds so much better. It's it's definitely a, a progression in, in, a, in a really good way. So you picked the song Trial by Fire. Tell, tell us what you think about that song. So track is my favorite on the album it's i love like this it has this badass underlying bass riff that especially at the very beginning of the song um it's only thing that's 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 playing and then chuck comes in on vocals um it's got this atmospheric intro to kind of start things off and what i like about that too is it ties into elements from eerie inhabitants uh disciples of the watch and the outro the in the instrumental musical death a dirge um so it this album's very cohesive because they break keep bringing these elements that tie everything together as well um it still maintains like this brutal force from the first album yet it adds an element of melody to their repertoire which was not quite there in the first album so even if it's only a little bit it still adds a little bit of maturity to their sound. Um, and it's also got one of the most cohesive solos overlaid with the main rhythm. I really like the way the solo's done because you still have the main rhythm going on uh, from the rhythm guitar as well as the, the drums and bass, but the solo is overlaid on that, so it has a really cool effect. It's just, it's a great song. I love this song. I mean, this is really the first song that got me into Testament. I mean, I had heard Over the Wall, and I really didn't pay much attention to it. But when I saw this video on MTV, and then I saw this or heard this song, I really, really got into Testament. I bought this album because of it. And that is where my Testament, you know, uh, fandom began. Um, I I love the clean intro at the beginning and the little solo, the 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 instruments are so clear on that. You know, the bass line is very distinct. Um, and then, you know, it goes into the main riff of the song. And what's really cool about this this song is it's just the song structure. It's, it's so different, you know, and the way the different parts come in and out throughout the song. It, it's an awesome song, and it is my favorite song on the album as well. And the solo is outstanding, so I like it a lot. Um, what are your thoughts on the album as a whole? So I would say it's a step forward in their sound and musical growth. Um, you know, as mentioned before, this is the first album Chuck Billy had real input in. So it's going to have a different feel. Uh, and when the band is working together to create rather like rather than just filling in someone's shoes, it's going to sound more cohesive than, say, most of the songs on the legacy with Steve Souza writing credit. You know, it's just going to feel like, Chuck is filling in to some degree, especially when you know that. Um, it, it There's an honesty there when you write your own lyrics or you at least have some kind of input in it where it it's your song. Maybe you're just the first guy to sing it or you bring something new to the table rather than just kind of doing the same thing. Um, so it's I would say, honestly, this is a contender for their best album. Um, but it, that's all in the ear of the beholder. It depends on which kind of like where you fall in line, where you 
get into the band but one thing about it is because of its history because of what it represents the cohesiveness the band kind of at their prime as you know wanting having that hunger to get into the industry there's a lot of aspects that make this such a strong album I agree with you totally. I mean, this is a really good album. It is definitely a contender for one of their best albums. Um, I, it, like I said, it was it was what got me into Testament, and it hooked me pretty good. I mean, all the songs in this album are pretty pretty good. So I really really enjoy this album a lot. And so going from this album, the New Order, to their next album, again, we're talking about a year later, a little more than. I think it was 15 months, uh, Outcomes Practice What You Preach, once again produced by Alex Perialis, um, once again on Atlantic Megaforce Records. But this time they changed studios. They, uh, they basically said, hey, listen, you know what? Why don't you guys come to us and come up to Berkeley, California, and we got a studio here called Fantasy Studios. Now, this studio has been used several times throughout their career. So what I'm thinking is that this is either some sort of home studio or they know the owner and uh you know they they they've got some good some good insider you know inside stuff with this with this studio now for anybody out there that's listening if you know more information about fantasy studios and i haven't looked up uh any details about fantasy studios let us know in the comments let us know in, in messages or whatever uh, we'd love to know if you know more than i do right at this moment about the studio <laughs> and i i'm promise i'll look it up and mention it again at another time so I picked, so it's weird when we when we decided to do this 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 topic, um, and we decided to pick songs from each album. I picked certain songs because I figured you might pick them too. So I said oh, I'm going to pick a different song. So I ended up not picking "Practice What You Preach" the title track, which I think is the best song in the album, <laughs> because I thought you were going to pick it. So I ended up picking up Perilous Nation, which is another very, very good song on this album. Um, so I love the bass intro on Perilous Nation. Uh, I, I think it's super cool. Um, the main riff is really awesome on this song. The vocal lines are really melodic. And it's another great solo from Alex Skolnick. I think I think it's repetitive to say that Alex Skolnick put another great solo on it because I think he puts great solos on every song. Um, because he's a great guitar player, uh, but this is a really cool song. I mean, the, the, what sets it apart is that bass intro. Oh yeah, I mean, I love the the bass on this album in general. It's kind of pushed more forward. Um, you know, at this point, the I think their their mixing became just really on point. You know, like they they knew what they were doing a bit more, and bringing out those elements of the rhythm section. Um, just kind of made them sound again more mature. Um, I love the dissonance in the guitar on this track. So there's there's a lot of elements that are not your typical. You know, if you're a musician and you're just starting out, you're gonna stick more towards the 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 logical sense of you know scales, etc. But sometimes when you start to understand the instrument more you push the limits and that's kind of what's being done here. And that's what I really like about it. You can see they've grown as musicians from at this point. Um, 
guitar solo, like you mentioned, it's very good, but it's also really indulgent, and that's the best way I can describe it because it's very long, it's very clean, it's very much the focus of the track, and it has some really good moments. It's not my favorite on the album, though. I think there are better solos, but it does specifically show off the musician. So it's I think it's a it's a pretty cool one. Yeah, I, I mean it's it, it is a very good song, very good solo. You know, like I, like I said, I personally think Practice is what the, is the best song on the album, but we both chose different songs. So your song choice was Sins of Omission. What do you got to say about it? So I could have easily picked Practice What You Preach. I think that's like you said what you were expecting, but I think sometimes it's best to subvert expectations. When I picked these songs that I picked, it was some somewhat about, you know, talking about the variety in the albums. It would easily be, you know, we could just pick a, the, all the solo or, you know, the singles and just kind of go over that. But I don't think that defines who they are as, as musicians sometimes. So what I like about Sins of Omission is it's a really funky track. You know, there's a there's a lot of funk in the bass. And that kind of pushed the boundaries of what the band does as a whole. You know, it's not simply just a thrash track. There are no distinct similarities to what other bands are doing here. So, like, while you could place Practice What You Preach, the song, as being able to maybe fit into, like, Anthrax's catalog... You know, because it's a thrash track. It is a good thrash track, but some of the other bands could have could have done it. To be honest, I don't think other bands at this point could have done Sins of Omission, and so that's kind of why I picked it was because it, it is so different and it, and it is distinctly te- testament. Um, and Chuck does some early growling here, which is you know kind of unique in a way you know you're not that far into their career you're not that far into the existence of death metal because that started right at the same time as their career um and so adding some of those elements also makes them somewhat unique so i think it i honestly this is one of my favorite tracks on the album for its own reasons i i totally agree with what you're saying there i i it's funny because I've listened to this album, I don't want to say hundreds of times, I, I could say dozens of times over the years. Um, you know, I remember when there was a time I was into to Testament, I'm just popping CD and I just keep repeating this one over and over again. Um, it, it, it's one of those songs that I mistakenly, I don't want to say I passed over it. You omitted I, I th- it. No, yeah, <laughs> I was trying not to say. And that. now you're suffering the sins of omission. <laughs> it's it's just weird. It's, it's like I've heard the song and I liked it, right? But it's it's one of those things that I guess the album, uh, the the back end of the album didn't stick with me enough for me to sit there and remember to say, oh yeah, this is a good out, al- this is a good song. Let me let me let me listen to it or put it on my playlist or whatever. And and now I just did. So that's that's one thing I'll, I'll hear it again because you know between practice. Uh, Perilous Nation and, and Envy Life, you know, a lot of times if I'm going from point A to point B, I don't have time to get past three songs. I mean, I need to go on a long trip to get towards the end of an album. And um, most of the times if I'm on a long trip, I'm with someone that I know that's probably not going to want to listen to the end of an, a Testament album. So <laughs> I 
I like Sins of Omission a lot now. Um, I, what I liked about it when I was listening to it again is I, I do like that little quiet guitar picking at the beginning that leads into the intro. Um, I, of course, you know Chuck's melodic vocals are, are, are you know second to none in, in many cases, and it's got a really cool solo which we keep talking about with Alex. So that's a really cool song. Perilous Nation is a good song. Practice, I think, is maybe the best song on the album. But like you said, it's maybe not necessarily distinctive. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's not taking anything away from it, though, because it is a really good thrash song. And, you know, it is, again, it's Testament song. I just think, to some degree, other bands were doing the same thing, which is, again, taking nothing away. It's just they're... I think discussing sins of omission was more important in, in this setting. So, right. Um, and what are your thoughts on the album? So you can definitely hear like three albums in Testament has even further matured. We, we mentioned in, on the last album that they'd matured. This is even further. Um, the mix mixes as the mix is excellent. As I said, um, each member has grown in their respective skill set. You know, there's a lot less of the typical thrash pacing and more air to breathe on the album. So I would what I mean by that is we've we've mentioned sometimes it's the notes that you don't hear. It's the spaces in between Um, that becomes more of a thing on this album than it had ever been before. So they're thinking more musically in a lot of ways. So um, there's more of a focus on the bass riff. There's cleaner solos. There's sometimes jazzier riffs. So there's some definite experimentation that's happening, you know, especially with the vocals. Um, while still being grounded in the genre, it they've kind of pushed their boundaries a bit without, you know, selling out, quote unquote. Um, I think that it bears noting that Practice What You Preach is one of Testament's most played tracks of all time. So that says a lot for what the album is. And while I don't think it's their best, I think it's it is one of their most important albums. Okay, I can agree with that. It's definitely um, the maturity level. You could definitely tell. I mean, oh, if, absolutely. If it, each album so far, and this is their third, um, have progressed and matured as you would expect a band to progress and mature doing this year in and year out. Um, very similar, in, in oddly enough, to, to make this comparison, very similar to how Metallica went from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets, you know, and not not to say that Practice What You Preach is their 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 epitome or their epic album, you know, the or the height of their career. No, but, but it's musical growth. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, it's just a, it's just a musical growth. You can see it from Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets. Very similar structured albums, but you can see the maturity is like night and day. So, um. Yeah, I like practice a lot. So now we get to their fourth album in literally four and a half years. Um, Souls of Black comes out in 1990. It is released 14 months after Practice What You Preach. It was released on October 9th, 1990. It was produced by Michael Rosen and Testament. So now we we're, we, we get away from Alex Perialis. Um, they're still on Atlantic Megaforce, and they went back to Fantasy Recording Studios. So real quick, now that I, I uh, while, while you were talking, I was able to look up some information on Fantasy. Fantasy Studios was, was a studio that was made 
by Fantasy Records, who were basically a, a record label out in that area that had a large jazz and uh, melodic rock roster type of thing. And um, but because Testament was from that general area, you know, North California, um, that's the studio that they chose to go to. So, um, anyway, this album, um, a little bit, I, I almost, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but I think this album kind of stalled Testament, but we're going to talk about that in a bit. The first song that I picked was the title track, Souls of Black. I think that song is a really cool song. Another one with a great bass intro type of, of feel to it. I like the main riff a lot. Um, again, you know, Alex's solo on this is one of these where, you know, it has this really slow build into, a, you know, this nice melody and then it shreds and it goes back and forth that way. Um, I have to tell the story about this and this is the reason why I, I, I wrote this. Alex creates solos very similar to a time where I was asked to produce a, a band, a local band in Miami when I was still into music production. And so I went to the studio, it was like nine o'clock at night, one, one night in the middle of the week. And this guy's like, so what do, you, what do you think I should do with the solo? I said, well, play the song the way you normally play it. So I, I listened to the song, got to the solo, and he goes from, uh, let, let's put it this way. Let's say it's 16 measures. Um, and he's got eight and eight. There's, there's a point where the band, you could distinctly hear the eighth measure and they change and, you know, whatever. And then they go into the second half of the solo break. And he literally shreds from point A to point B. It's shredding the entire time. And there's nothing melodic about it. There's nothing that says, hey, this is a cool solo. So I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you take the first measure, the first half of the of, you know, first eight measures and kind of build something melodic, something that goes along with the riff, something that goes along with the, the main melody of the song. And then you can, you know, rip into a solo, you know, a shredded solo in the second half. He's like, I don't know. I go, can you just try it for me, please? And he did that. We recorded it and his bandmates loved it. They thought it, it, it changed the, the, the song. And then all of a sudden he, 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 says, I don't like it, and trashes it, literally records over it. I'm like, I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> and I finished the session, and it's like, you know, if you're if you're not going to listen to my suggestions because you asked me to give them to you, then what am I doing here? You know, and so we kind of had a disagreement, and I walked away, and he walked his way, and they never made it. Neither did I. <laughs> so, but that's, that's the way I feel along the lines with Alex's solos. They're really really thought out well well crafted solos what are your thoughts on the song so um while i love the intro and the distortion like it it's a good song uh, overall um i've never really been much of a fan of this particular track uh you know it's so simplistic compared to some of the other songs on the album um and even the stuff before and I've, I've always disliked the vocals, the way they, that he does them on this song. Um, you know, I, I've always kind of called it Souls of Block because he the way he says black, he <laughs> says Souls of Block. Um, 
you know, it does have a nice, really bluesy solo, like you mentioned. And it has, like, this kind of waltz-like quality about it. You know, what the way that the solo mm-hmm. goes into it. Yeah. I love the solo. I think it's I think it's great. Um, you know, it's a step down in experimentation. And, there, you know, it ha- there's a reason why. They rushed this album out. You know, they were trying to get onto the the uh, Clash of Titans tour with Megadeth and Slayer and Suicidal Tendencies, and it shows. Like even their best stuff on this album, there's just it's not as well thought out, it's not as well planned out, and they were in a rush. So it's hard for me to to say like, you know, it it just it's just not as good, you know. It's yeah, just not. I agree with you because as as a whole with the album, you know, the the rush on it is, you know, that it was the European tour of Clash of Titans. And yeah. um, at this time, at this stage of the game for, for a lot of these bands and metal bands specifically, in, in music as a whole, albums were beginning to last longer. And by that, I mean that the MTV created this idea that, and specifically Michael Jackson, because he went out of his way to release like seven singles off of one album, is that albums just kept going on and on. It wasn't a need to to write a new album because you had these good songs. And of course, that only related to if the album had good songs. I mean, if the album was trash, okay, you had to come up with a new album because you had to come up with new songs. Um, but if, for the most part, a band like Testament had good albums. So um, they... They weren't letting them live long enough. I think they could have stretched, you know, practice what you preach out probably another eight months or something like that. But yeah. the record companies, <clears throat> excuse me, the record companies back then were just like, no, we need to do this. We need to do this and we need to get on this tour. We need to do this. We need to get our money back. And so that's where, you know, the idea of having to rush an album ended up happening. And, they, and, and, and what ends up happening is you don't have the best creativity, I guess you could put it that way. Um, but you chose a very different song as your song from this album. You chose The Legacy. I did. And, you know, I got to say, while it's not my favorite song on the album, it's worth noting that this is a ballad from Testament. You know, it's it's a standout for that reason alone. They hadn't done anything like this before. You know, the guitar work is really fantastic. It's slower. It's more methodical. It shows a lot of dimension to Peterson and Skolnick's playing. Um, You know, it's a decent track overall, but what it represents here is that Testament wasn't satisfied with just being a thrash album. I mean, a thrash band. Um, And they had something more to show with their musical chops. You know, it's, it's different. And if you're not a fan, if you're one of those people that that felt like Metallica sold out on their second album with uh, Fade to Black, um, then this is going to feel a lot the same. But to me, it shows that, you know, there are more dimensions to people than just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's why I picked it. There's other songs on the album I like better, but but it's still a good track and it represents something different. Yeah, no, this this the, the the legacy is a really cool song. Now, I don't have a problem with a lot of these ballad type songs that metal bands put out because uh, they're usually pretty good. Specifically speaking about Metallica's "Welcome Home Sanitarium" and "Fade to Black" and "One." 
Um, it is noted, uh, this is not their first ballad. This is actually their second, because the first one was called The Ballad. And that was on Practice What You Preach. And that was very That was sim- more tongue-in-cheek, though. Yes, it was. was it and was- it was more similar to what you know what Metallica was trying to do with with a, with a song like one or something like that but not as like this is this a one. ballad ballad yes this like, one, that they one was really not. really did it the right way yeah no i i get where you're you're saying that it's not technically the first ballad right. but this is th- when you think of a ballad like this is more along the lines of that than the you know they they literally called the song the ballad because <laughs> it was it was a play on the idea of metal bands doing a ballad song right exactly yeah. so so no this one comes across really well um on this song and specifically Chuck and Alex they really really show off their range on this one i mean everyone already at this point knows that Alex is an amazing guitar player but um, just the, the the melodic soloing that he does throughout this song is is absolutely incredible. Um, but to me, what really really shines on this song is Chuck's vocals, uh, his smooth vocals, and even at points he, he he gets into his back to his regular Testament voice if you want to look at it like that. Um, and one thing I got to note after listening to Testament these last several weeks, and I say several because we've had the idea for this you know for a little bit now. Um, I have to say, Chuck Billy is probably one of the most talented vocalists that are out there in the in the heavy metal genre. But he's not one of these guys that has a huge vocal range. But what the, what, what the, where the talent really shines through is that he he can sing. He has a lot of melody in his voice, and he knows how to use it, and he knows where his lane is. And over time, Testament went to be a little bit more in a in the the, the deathy range of, of music, you know, experimenting with death metal style vocals and death death metal style songs. And he finally came to, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more later. He finally came to a great compromise in songwriting and his song and his vocal styles to use both the death growls, the the and and his clean vocals. I really, really think Chuck is a completely underestimated and underrated vocalist when it comes to the heavy metal genre, specifically thrash music. Um, I. It's it's amazing, you know, when I listen to him, how melodic his voice is. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what you said where you said he understands where his lane is. The thing is, he's also intelligently pushed it outside of the the where he started. You know, he he learned to do the death metal growl properly. He he does it successfully on several songs. Um you know, he also can sing, you know, he doesn't just do the harsh vocals. He can sing a bit. He's not the best singer out there. Like he's not like a, uh, a sting or somebody like that where, you know, has a mastery of the, his voice in that regard, but he knows where his range is. He keeps it there. He intelligently sings and uh, yeah, I agree. I think in the thrash genre, he's definitely kind of underrated for what he does. All right, so we we kind of touched upon the album Souls of Black as a whole. Um, for me, the album really kind of 
kind of, to me, stalled their career to some degree. So what I would say in in some regard is this kind of is the beginning of the end for the first, you know, the first incarnation of, of Testament. Because they were pushing themselves so hard, like you mentioned, one album a year for a while. And then they, they do take a little bit longer to put out the, the ritual. But the ritual sounds very different. You know, it's it's a heavy metal album where they'd been doing thrash and it's too much too soon, you know, going one after another. Um, and, you know, it's 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 it wears on you like it really does. And so from here, you know, they go on to record the ritual, you know, that was in 1992. Then they do three more albums uh, Blow in 1994, Demonic in 1997, and The Gathering in 1999 with various lineups, various approaches. You, you said it stalled their career. That's 100% accurate. They spent all this time from 92 to 99 floundering, trying to figure out what they were as a band. You know, sometimes groove metal, sometimes death metal. You know, some, what was, I don't even know what The Gathering is really supposed to be. Um, you know, this is, this is the time in between the old and the new Testament era. And they, you know, they basically from 1999 to 2008, they were on kind of a hiatus trying to figure out what they were doing. You know, they, yeah, they, they released, uh, first strike still deadly. It's a re-recording of, you know, some of their first earlier tracks, um, It's a chance for them to kind of start over in a way, but even then, that there were several years before they re-released or they released Formation of Damnation. So there's a long period of time where Testament is somewhat inactive. Yeah, that uh, I believe a lot of that had to do with uh, a change in management, change in labels, because change you know, in popularity of metal. Yeah, that too. You know, going into the late into the the mid nineties. I mean, they they tried things. Okay, Souls of Black was their last thrash album until a little bit later on. Um, the Ritual, like you mentioned, was a heavy metal album, and that was due to Alex Skolnick. Alex Skolnick was you know was basically tired of doing the same thing over and over again, and they acquiesced to Alex's. Uh, desires to play something different so they kind of made up a, a straight up heavy metal album um and it, while one song may have worked in electric in a, crown and that's about it yeah electric crown <laughs> and that's about it um alex left louis left and the band kind of fizzled for a little bit um yeah. but they 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 you know they got back together if you want to put it that way a couple years later they released low like you said demonic the gathering in 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 that time so after low and low is not a bad album you you don't like it as much as i do and i don't think it's one of their better albums at all but it's it's a genre it's like it's a different genre than the thrash stuff so if you like groove metal to that degree and you like what they were doing at the time that's fine but it's not going to appeal to every uh testament fan right you know so it's them trying to 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 get back into i guess the good graces of somebody um but at but at that at that point in 1994 you're looking at you know the the height of grunge at this point heavy metal has been pushed to the back burner and you know 
a lot of heavy metal bands are floundering at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put out low. It doesn't really go anywhere. They get dropped by the label. You know, then three years later, they put out Demonic because now they want to try and reestablish themselves as something different, yet something similar. And it, it to me, it doesn't work. Um, they have one or two songs that they kind of still play uh, between that and the, and the Gathering. And it, it's just, it, it doesn't work. And like you said, after the Gathering, they just kind of went on hiatus. I think they lost management. Um, their their record label, which is Spitfire, is really not a, a record label that that is one of these you know uh, that are going to develop or, or hone in on a on a band's talent. It's just more about putting out an album. You just give them the tapes and they'll put it out for you. Yeah. Um, and so for so basically the band um, at this point is floundering. A couple years later, it's like you know what are we going to do here? And they toyed around with the idea of remixing the first two albums. And um, as I was just reading this morning, um, the the idea of remixing for political reasons within the band got shot down. So I don't know if it had anything to do with Alex still not being, uh, even though they, he records on this album, Alex still not being a, um, a full-fledged member um, I don't know if it had to do with the record label, uh, you know, or some people in the band sitting there not agreeing. I don't know what the deal was, but they didn't do it. But they they did basically put out a promotion to their fans saying, help us. And they re-recorded several tracks of of uh, from the new from the first album, uh, the legacy, and from the new order. So this is where the revival of testament comes starts to come into play. Even though they wouldn't release another album for another seven years or six and a half years, let's say, um, <clears throat> first strike still deadly. The re-recording of songs from the first two albums is is where the the new era starts for Testament. Uh, at least in my opinion, uh, some people may say, oh, "Well, that's still part of the old era." Yes and no, because I think it's an in between to some degree. You know, it's it's them. Yeah, they are starting a little bit like they're they're figuring out where they want to go and how they want to to course correct. But it's still kind of in between because they're they still there's still a long time before they record, and there's it's a a little bit of a holdover from what they were doing before. So it's, I think it's a, a midpoint kind of course correction is the best way to put it. Right. Exactly. And, and the good, the thing is it opened the door for Alex Golnick to come back to the band. Um, even though he recorded the song, all the, all the, the guitar work on this album, you know, between him and Eric, uh, reuniting in that way, he wasn't officially part of the band at this point. He just did the, he did the record. Uh, Cause at this point they didn't know where they were going after this, but they were, they were doing this for the fans. Um, they also did this as a tribute to Chuck uh, from death um, after he had passed away. Did he have passed? Did he pass away at this point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was 2001. I think it was just a few months after right. it may have been a fundraiser to, to, for, for his cancer treatment. I, I really can't remember. Um, Cause they, they, they dedicated it to him. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it was fundraising to, to gain money before his, he passed or if it was to, you know, 
to make money for his family after I, but either way it was dedicated to Chuck because of right. the, his whole situation. He did pass away in 2001. It was, I, I want to say it was before October when this was released. Um, we did go over this in our, our Testament episode at some point, uh, or maybe it was the thrash metal. It was, a thrash, it, was a, it was a thrash moment. We were talking about death. Yeah, okay. So Chuck died in, in December 13th of 2001. So this was a fundraiser. Yes. So, so this was... So they, they dedicated the album to Chuck... Uh, and and it was that was the whole thing they were looking for their fans to help and that's where it ended up becoming a, a fundraiser to help Chuck and basically put this album out. So, um, real quick, uh, with the four songs that were on that we chose from the New Order and the Legacy, a lot of people out there just don't seem to like re-recordings. And I can understand why. I mean, I have a lot of albums that are re-recordings of bands. I have that that Kiss. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember what they call it, but the the whole the Kiss re-recordings, and they're not that good. They did a a good job of trying to recreate it, but the energy just doesn't seem the same. Um, Twisted Sister still still hungry. No, they they already ate their dinner and they're done, you know. So they're not as hungry as they say they they were. Um, the energy's not there. But I have to say, you know, f- these songs on this to me, in my opinion, the way I'm listening to Chuck sing, he there's a different energy, but it's still an energy that's good. And I like these versions. I like the modern production. I like. It, these songs to me breathe a little bit more. These versions, um, the drumming is better. I mean, John Tempesta playing drums on here is is he's a really good drummer. Um, I probably would say he's better than than Louis Clemente. There's a little bit uh, obviously of a different style. He uses the 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 drum his double bass drumming a lot differently than Louis did. So I just like it more. Um, are the songs? Absolutely, these are so much better than this. No, because there's something about the originals that will always be the originals, and they will always be good. But I like these versions, so that's my opinion. You know, whoever doesn't like it, too bad. Sorry, you know, don't don't buy it. <laughs> but I, I like First Strike Still Deadly. I, I think it's a good album. Um, you know, it's a, it obviously a retread, rehash, um, but representing what it was, the band trying to get you know, course corrected, figure out what they're doing. Um, the fact that you actually do get a couple tracks sung by Steve Souza, who was their original singer before Chuck joined. Um, you know, there, there's something valid about it and I do enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, so to real quickly to kind of go over the, the specs on it, uh, released in 2001, October 24th. It was released on Spitfire Records. It was produced by Testament and co-produced by Doug Hall. And it was recorded at Driftwood Studios in Oakland, California, not too far from their home base. Um, this is where the relationship between Testament and Andy Sneap began because Andy mixed this album. Uh, so that's something that's going to come up now as we go into the modern or the New Testament era of Testament. Um, 2008, they basically have come back and this is now the new Testament. Um, they have come back with 
I, I don't want to say a different band because it's everybody in the band except for Louis Clemente. Louis Clemente so they have yeah. Paul Bostoff on drums. Um, but Craig, Greg Christian's on bass, Eric Peterson on guitar, Alex on guitar, and Chuck Billy. So uh, this album, produced by Eric Peterson and Chuck Billy, released in two, April 29, 2008. It is the first album of their new deal with Nuclear Blast Records. And again, it was recorded at Fanny Studios, Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California. I I think it's a it's a, a definitely a return to form, but it's also an announcement that this is a new testament. My song that I chose is um, the song More Than Meets the Eye. To me, that song is classic testament, but now it has even more of an edge than the old classic testament used to have. I love the gallop in this song. It's, to me, what you would say, typical heavy metal gallop. Um, And of course, the riffs and melodies are great, and Alex is always putting out a great guitar solo what are your thoughts on the song so following the instrumental intro for the glory of uh testament like just bursts into this new era with an absolute banger i mean chuck's vocals have become even more gravelly over the years and i think they sound great it adds a little bit of a heavier edge um you said it was a typical heavy metal gallop i'm gonna call it an iron maiden-esque gallop yeah um i agree uh, but the instrumentation is distinctly Testament, and it's a heavier incarnation of Testament. I think it's a great track. Oh, it's absolutely great. Um, you chose Formation of Damnation. So one thing that this track shows to me is that the band has learned like some new tricks. Um, I love the vocals here as they're really harsh and really brutal. Um you know, I, I love the backing vocals from Steve Souza. Um, I guess the other two were Nick Souza and Steve Esquivel. I'm not familiar with them. I'm assuming Nick Souza is related to Steve. I think Nick um, is uh, his brother. Okay. And I know they're all fa- family and friends from, you know, they're they, like, even though Steve Souza left Testament, they all remained friends all this time. So there's an interesting aspect to that. And then I, and then, don't they have a band together? They have uh, Dublin Death Patrol. Du- Dublin Death Patrol. So I always thought that was cool that they're all still kind of friends. Um, but you might be surprised that I picked a track with a breakdown. Like you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> you might be surprised. But what I wanted to kind of highlight is that Testament has grown with their contemporaries. They're not just stuck in a certain era. They're not just trying to recapture their original glory. They're doing something different, different. And, you know, there are moments that will appear, uh, I mean, appeal more to like fans of Lamb of God, you know, there, you know, this is not just a typical thrash song there. There's more to it than that. Like that kind of, um, modern groove metal, is is part of this too so if you're a fan of those that you know those other bands like you know bands that were doing things like lamb of god um this kind of appeals in a certain way to that yeah i mean i like formation and i agree with you on the vocals i mean it definitely i mean now that i i i'm more open to um death style vocals uh, specifically more in the melodic death metal range this is the, these vocals 
definitely tap into that style. And I, I like it. I mean, it's a good song. It's a heavy song. Um, probably one of their, at, <clears throat> at this point, if you're going to, if you're going to bypass the gathering and you're going to bypass, um, bypass, uh, demonic because they were different, uh, albums or, or they were trying something. This to me is one of their heaviest songs that they've put out. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it definitely incorporates a lot of more of the modern metal into it. And it's, it, it's a, it's a good, cross between all those different styles and it shows that testament even though you know they try to do you know experimentation early on this one is it, they've, they've gotten past the experimentation they've kind of honed in on exactly what it is that they're trying to do and and this album definitely shows shows that off yeah they've kind of figured out where they were going as a band at this point so and and that will carry through to the next three albums um I think it's a nice return to form following the various, you know, things they were trying before, um, you know, and especially after such a long hiatus, um, you know, it's, just, it's the same band, save for Louis Clemente, but I think Paul Bostoff on drums adds a really new dimension with heavier drums, different approach. I mean, he was a drummer for Slayer and you can tell, you know, there's, there's that addition, um, you could tell that all these guys have really developed in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, the album won the 2008 metal hammer golden gods awards, you know, like that's, that's a big deal to, to come back from, you know, disorganization, a hiatus, you know, kind of trying to figure out who you are and to step into that and, and, and win that award over other established bands. It's a big deal. Um, worth noting that this is called a thrash al album, but I think it's got a lot of other elements to it. It's got some death vocals. It's got more melodic sensibility. Um, Alex is really bringing a new element to the music with his, you know, he went off and tried to do different things and he's got blues and jazz and other, other ideas here so i think it's more than simply just a thrash album like this is a definite um improvement in some ways while you know it's not it's not as quite as cohesive as some of the other earlier stuff i would say still you look back at at say the new order and you know that they they were they were creating something of an art piece in a way there with their tying in to everything with, with a certain musical theme. But I think this is a great start to a new era. Uh, absolutely. I really, really like the start to this new era. And one of the things about this new era is that they're, they're trying to put albums out in a particular time frame. As, as we all know, and when we, we, we see all these bands that we like, Bands don't release albums like they used to. You're never going to see what you saw with Testament where four albums in four and a half years. You're never going to see what, like what happened with, with Kiss and six albums in three years. You're never going to see that again. But you, you, know, you would hope that you see something a little bit better than, say, Metallica having an album every eight years. Because that's 
freaking insane. You know, you're going to be a hundred by the time your you know, your fifteenth album comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Testament, and they've 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 acknowledged this. They they're trying to be a little bit more consistent, but they have been. They have literally been consistent with putting out a new album every four years, and that's still a long time. And you think about, I mean, one, two, they've done four albums in 12, no, in 14 years. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot, but they're really good albums. <laughs> so yeah. at least you get that out of it, you know? Um, so that leads us into 2012, July 27th, 2012. They released Dark Roots of Earth. Um this album is produced by Andy Sneap. So now he's stepped up from the mixing position and now he's actually uh, producing an album for Testament. Uh, another nuclear blast release. Um, this one was recorded in several different places. Um, it was recorded at Driftwood Studios in Oakland, Backstage Studios in Derby, England. Uh, and there was some additional recording that was also done at Trident Studios in Martinez, California and Spin Studios in New York City. Um, this is one of my favorite testament albums um i don't know what it is about this album but i really 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 enjoy this album um and what the one of the songs that i really really enjoy is native blood so that was my choice um this song to me is is absolutely outstanding it's got an awesome groove riff um i I wanted to say groovy, but it, it just wasn't going to come out right. <laughs> so um, I like this song a lot on top of the fact of it being a really good song. The theme behind it, the Native American theme behind it, it really touches me. Um, I have a strong connection and a strong uh, empathy for for Native Americans and Native American culture. Um, and I mean, this song is just loaded with hooks and melodies. And the, another odd thing about the song, if you get the deluxe edition of this album, it actually comes with a Spanish version of this song. Doesn't quite work as well. Doesn't have the same exact hook, but it's still the same song. Um, so it's really cool. Um, what do you think of the song? So it has a universal appeal, I think, that can relate to just about anybody that doesn't feel heard or respected, uh, you know, or, you know, reaching that point of just not being able to take it anymore. Um, I think it, it can easily be related to by anybody that feels minimized, but it is important because of, you know, Chuck Billy's native American heritage. Um, I think it's a good track. I don't feel as strongly as, about the album as you do. Um, but I, I kind of want to more go more into that, you know, after mm -hmm. I talk about this particular song. Um, but I think, Overall, it's one of the best tracks on the album. I, I agree with, with, with that sentiment. Um, but you picked the song Rise Up, which was the first song in the album. And uh, tell us why you picked that song. So I picked this as, you know, it, it can be kind of a make or break moment in a lot of ways. Like So Formation of da Damnation went really well. But this was after a long hiatus. This was, you know, a, a long period of time without releasing any music. So is it a, you know, is it a, what, what's the term I'm looking for here? Um, is it a flash in the pan or is it, you know, are they really back on track? So 
this is the first song on the album. I think in, in that regard, it's really important. And it's primarily, pri- primarily the reason I picked it. Um, you know, it's much in the vein of, of early Testament throughout most of the song. Um, you know, it doesn't rock the boat too much. However, it has this kind of like call and response, you know, rise up war. I say rise up, you say war kind of thing, which I think is a little bit immature. Um, <laughs> you know, but I like what that it part, <laughs> you know, and, and, but that's the simplicity of it. Like, I think it, it has an easy appeal to like work in a concert setting, Um, what it represents to me is Testament kind of fitting into the modern metal era. Um, again, it's, this is not my favorite track. Um, I'm not just picking my favorite tracks. I'm picking these all for a reason. Um, but I think it's significant in the longevity and the growth of the band. You know, it, it's not about all, does it appeal to me? It appeals to more more than just me and obviously like the the success of this album shows that so and i'm not a big fan of you know the modern metal sound in a lot of ways so that's not like indicative of it of you know do i think the album's good yes i i mean i do but is it for me not necessarily as much so uh, i i get it because this, this, there's a lot of things on this one is where it's very similar to formation, where there's just it touches upon a lot of different uh, areas, a lot of different styles. Um, I, I must say this though, I believe this is one of Andy Sneep's better albums in terms of production and mixing. I will agree there um, because I, yeah. I, I I like the way the drums sound on this. You still have a snap to the snare drum. You you has got some really good recording on on the on the bass drums and the toms and all that stuff. Uh, guitars are clear. It's not muddled. I I don't know what Andy's done in the last few years to change that, but I wish he would go back to this. <laughs> I agree. Um, uh, I wish he would go back to like what he did on this album and what he did on Blood of the Nations for Accept. I don't know what he's changed in that time, but it it, it I don't like it. Um, I like Rise Up. Um, it, it was one of the, it was a, to me it's a, it's a statement song as far as yes. This is what you heard a few years ago is what you're going to hear now. This is testament, and this and we're back, and this is where we're going to be. Um, it's a rebellion song, um, so it, it you know you may think it's a little immature. You know, when I say rise up, you say war, but it's literally like he's incorporating the audience, even though it's a song on a on a, on, a, on an album. He's this is distinctly a song that's going to be an audience call and response type song. So I agree with that there. Yeah. Um, Cause he actually made it a part of the lyrics. Um, so it's a killer riff. I mean, it's got some really good elements to it. I get, I get what you're saying about the, the whole call and response being a little immature because that is the main part of the lyrics. It's not something that happened naturally while you're in the concert setting. Um, this was purposely made for that. I get it. Not the best song in the album per se, um, but it's a strong song. I like Native Blood a lot. And the song that's really been standing out to me a lot on this album has been True American Hate. That's um, really, really harsh kind of song in, in a way. Not, you know, not, not recorded harshly, but just it, it's rough. It's a, it's a brutal song. I like it a lot. The title track, Dark Roots, is a really good song as well. What are, what are your thoughts on the rest of the album? So... This is something that has often come up when I discuss this 
you know this kind of album with friends um while the riffs are fantastic and i really dig gene hoagland on drums like that added a huge element because as much as i liked paul bostoff and his contribution to the band i felt like gene took it even further you know really built on that sound that they were creating and you know there's but there's there's like a big portion of this album that really rubs me the wrong way you had mentioned that um that testament you know when they did their first album it was a lot of occult stuff etc but then it became more poetic and i distinctly feel like this album is not very poetic it's very straightforward it's less metaphorical and oftentimes really comes off as very childish in the lyrics and that's that's something that i felt the same way with um what was the album with the dragonaut on it from judas priest that was um redeemer of souls redeemer of souls so like redeemer of souls had a few good really good tracks but there were there was also like this really kind of childish aspect to some of the songs like you know we go out in the streets and we fight and stuff you know it's just like you know you're you're like 50 something years old you know and th- that does come off that way like the, you know at this point i think chuck billy was 46 or 48 or something like that and and saying it so bluntly rather than kind of being more m- metaphorical which he would do in the subsequent albums that follow i think that the lyrics as a whole sometimes are much weaker than some of the stuff that followed and came before that's not to say that there's not really good stuff on the album i mean i think native blood being as blunt as it is is important i think true american hate this is the same way but some of the other songs do really kind of rub me the wrong way and if it wasn't for the the really good instrumental aspect of it i think it's one of chuck billy's worst albums to be honest um that's strictly my opinion and everybody's welcome to their opinion i know you you definitely feel different um you know and and the fact is this album charted at number 12 there you know that's that says a lot for especially in what 2012 for a metal band to chart at number 12 on u.s charts like that's huge um you know, I have to note that like there is a strong similarity in these four albums, which leads to kind of like a different type of analyzation where like we were talking about the cohesiveness and, you know, the experimentation and those kind of things. There's not quite that aspect here. You know, it, it ends up you 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 focus on the things like the subtleties of the instrumentation, the lyrical content. And maybe that's why I delved so deep into this one. I remember coming out. I saw this tour. Um, and I, and in my opinion really hasn't changed. Like I, I do feel that way where, you know, some of the other stuff that comes up and that we're going to talk about, I feel is, is more elegantly written lyrically. Um, and it's all about the way you feel and the way it impacts you. If you like the more direct vocals, I mean, or lyrics, that's one thing. But for me, I think it was a step back in his creativity. I could I could understand that, and I can um, definitely see where you're coming from on that. Uh, I think what what um, what really sold this album to basically the masses, if you want to put it like that, um, is that it is truly in in many cases there's a, a, just a lot more thrash elements than there had been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
Chuck was is finally able to master the differences between his growling and his regular singing. Um, yes, while still vocally, while still put, he yes. took it up a level. I, I will agree there. Right, and then and while still being able to maintain the melodicness of his vocal lines, put it that way. I'm not saying the lyrics. So yeah. lyrically, I can I could see where you're coming from. Where where there's there's, there's a, not a lot of um, poetry like he did in the past, um, and I think sometimes, especially uh, you know. With the way that the 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 world climate started being in the in the early 2010s and stuff like that, um, there was a lot of anger, and sometimes that shows up in people's uh, lyrics, and sometimes that shows up in people's styles and stuff like that. And and uh, you know, it, it is basically um, uh, an ex- uh, a reflection of what was going on for them at the at the time. Um, so. I get where you're coming from because yes, the, the next couple of albums have a different, more, and a more cohesive kind of thing. But uh, I, part of the reason why this album definitely attracts me more, and it, it and it's there's a little bit of a bias there. If you get the deluxe version of this, like I mentioned before, you get that Spanish version of Native Blood, but you also get, um, I think it's like four covers. One being a Queen cover. Um, Another one being a Scorpions cover. Oh, no, you get three covers, excuse me. Um, and then you also get an Iron Maiden cover. And I think the Power Slave cover that they do on this album is excellent. And I think that's the reason why I keep listening to it. Because I, you know, I listen to the first four or five songs and then I flip over to the end. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's where it comes from. I mean, that's I, fair I, enough. Like, I, I get that. And, and it's always cool to hear these bands, like, pay tribute to, you know, the their influences, etc. So I get that. But, but like, as as strictly the album, yeah, I mean, it, my my opinion is what it is. You know, I... I haven't changed it in all these years and I always I always go in and try to listen with new ears so that I'm not just strictly judging it based on nostalgia and it's just to me it's 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 amazingly one of the weakest to me but most successful so it's all about your your personal taste sometimes too correct so that brings us to 2016 and Brotherhood of the Snake is the next album from um, Testament. And it was released on October 28th. Once again, it is going back to the Eric Peterson and Chuck Billity production team. Um, again, released on Nuclear Blast Records. And it was again recorded at Trident Studios in Martinez, California. Deer Creek Studios, this time in Nevada City, California. And uh, Spin City in New York City. Um, so... You get another four years down the road. You have another album from from Testament. This one, however, there was a little bit of, um, I would say, contentiousness within the band. Which is funny because the band didn't really change. Uh, So it kind of, well, it did in a way. They changed bass players. Um, Greg Christian left um, and then they brought in Steve DiGiorgio. Haha, ha, I said it right. <laughs> and you didn't say DiGiorno or No, I didn't say DiGiorno. I didn't say Di Gregorio. <laughs> I said it correctly. Um, and 
again, they've just stepped it up in musicianship. I mean, it's just crazy. You, you, you have one of the best drummers in the world, one of the best guitar players in the world. Now you're bringing in one of the best bass players in the world. And mind you, Steve has played with the band before, so it's not like he's uh, uh, unknown to the other guys in the band. So it's it's pretty awesome because he played on First Strike Still Deadly. Um, so you have uh this this weird vibe going on within the band according to uh eric peterson but yeah at the same time i think they put out a really freaking good album and i chose the song stronghold and that song man it's got a crazy cool vocal melody that really just shows that that chuck is still on top of his game and the drumming on that song is insanely good. If, at the beginning, you, you sit to say, well, it's just a certain pattern he's played over and over again, and it's a complex pattern. But no, in the second half of the song, it gets even more complex and even crazier, and it's and it's all held together by how good Gene Hoglin is. Um, and then you have this extremely weird, very creative wah-wah solo by Alex in, in, the, in the early part of the, the song, or not necessarily early part, but like first third of the song. But then when it gets to the main solo, it just shreds and, you know, Alex does what Alex does. I really like this song a lot. Um, one thing I have to say is that this album really did not um, go on my radar. And I and I kind of just passed over it. I mean, I listened, oh, it's a, it's a good song. Uh, this, you know, I didn't really ever pay much attention to it until now. And I'm sorry that I did or didn't. Because it's a really good album. I really like this song. What are your thoughts on it? So I think to some degree this this kind of speaks to how we have a little bit different aesthetic and what we enjoy in music sometimes. Um, you know, it some aspects are similar like to like what they were doing with Rise Up, but also has like some metalcore and more modern groove metal aspects with the vocals, you know, though it's it is musically a thrash track. So there's, there's a lot going on there. Like there's a lot to unpack with this song. Um, it's not just simple, like one thing. And I, I, I do appreciate that. And I love the solo. I think it's, it's a really good solo. Um, but it's not something that really appeals to me overall. You know, I'm not a fan of this track for the most part. I think there's much more like there's a, a lot better stuff that, appeals to me like i love neptune spear on this album the pale king brotherhood of the snake the stuff that's a little bit more melodic um but i get like the appeal to you like where you like this kind of like it's it's not necessarily a call and response but it has like the gang vocal kind of thing going on and right yeah it's it's cool it's just it's not my favorite see i like neptune spear as well because uh, that's a really cool story. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying like we we only like one thing or the other. I'm mm-hmm. just saying like that specifically more appeals to me than this does. Right. I got you. Yeah. So, so the song that you picked was the Pale King. That's true. Um, you know, I love and, and kind of going back to the last album. Like I I love when Testament takes a less literal approach to the lyrics and goes more into um, fantasy and lore and that kind of stuff. And that's something that they've done in the last two albums more. Um, I, I, this isn't, you know, anything that 
specifically relates to reality. I think it's kind of like a, a cool fantasy song. There may be something more direct to reality in it, but I think it's just, it's a lot of fun to listen to. And that's one thing that, that I've enjoyed on these last two albums for the band is kind of a departure, like an escape from reality to some degree, you know, Chuck's vocals like he just shouts it out like bullets at the beginning. You know, it's got this really fast pace, but also, you know, he sings a bit more when the song goes into like um, a dreamlike kind of groovy midsection. There's there's almost different um, acts to the song in that way. You know, there there's a spoken word section, which adds even more variety. So there's this like Chuck is doing a lot vocally here, you know, in different ways, which is really cool. Um, you know, it's got the, it's got a nice, another nice solo. It's got a lot of different dimension to what you would just hear from anything else. And I think that's what really makes it stand out to me, um, as one of the best tracks on the album. So it's, it's not simply about it just being a good song, but there's, there's a lot of dimension to it, which makes it, you know, really appealing. Yeah, I, I the song structure is definitely different. Um, I noted, you know, you know, a minute into the song, there's already a guitar solo, um, and then there's that middle breakdown, that spoken word section you're talking about right in the middle, and then of course it it follows it up with a solo, you know, basically going out towards the end of the song. So it it is definitely a different structure. Um, the song is super cool. I like it a lot. I mean, it's got a great riff and, and the vocal melodies just you know, it, Chuck is again being Chuck. So. This album, uh, like I said, I, I kind of passed over it. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with the the sign of the times. I mean, we're we're busy doing a million things. I'm getting older. I've got you know my family. You know, at two, 2016, um, you know, I'm just all over the place. And you know, I didn't really give this a lot of attention that I probably should have. And I, I haven't given Titans of Creation a lot of attention, but I've given Titans a lot more attention than I gave Brotherhood. Um, but uh, I like the album. I mean, I think it, as a whole, um, I, after listening to it, I really like the song Seven Seals. I like Blackjack. I like Neptune's Spear. So there's some some really good songs on here. Um, and so it's surprising because I'm sitting there going, well, now I'm talking about six songs on the album. I'm like, well, that's pretty damn cool if, you know, on a 10-album song. Uh, excuse me, ten song album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, you know it is. Uh, it's a pretty cool album when you th- when you look at it that way. A ten album song is uh, yeah. is a. Um, it's a lot of songs. <laughs> it's a long. Song. That's a Meshuggah <laughs> album. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would say overall, like there's there's some really serious synergy with the band, like. Steve DiGiorgio and Gene Hoagland have worked together, you know, many times in the past. They they were in death. Um, you know, they've they're both really diverse and substantial musicians. Um, they like they know their instruments so well. Steve DiGiorgio adds that fretless bass, you know, which is a I mean, I think it's a huge addition to their sound. Um, and Gene Hoagland like what he's doing here, you know, he, he lets the music breathe when it needs to. And then he adds that really complicated, like he has the, the triplets that he's known for, um, you know, all these things that like he, he understands his, his instrument so well, you know, they're still in the thrash vein, 
but there's a more melodic sensibility. I think this is like you mentioned all the, the, the musicians in, in, uh, Testament are all really good. And that's something like you have a master of a fretless space in Steve DiGiorgio. You have a master of drums, uh, and understanding of different styles in Gene Hoagland. You have Alex Goldnick, you know, coming into his own, like as his, like, best incarnation of himself because he's not just strictly into the thrasher vein but he's done so many other things you have chuck billy reaching a point where he understands his vocal range and and capabilities more than he's ever done before um and you have eric peterson who you know he's he's kind of like that tried and true member who you know he's not really stretching far outside of the vein of what he does but he holds testament to what they are as a as a band and so i'm not going to say like this is their best album by any means but what it represents is is them really understanding who they are what they're doing they're still putting out great music this far into their career and every 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 bit of it is enjoyable to me like it's not there i don't feel like you know you reach a certain point in the album where it's just a drag or anything like it's it's just a really fun really good album besides eric peterson being the basically the guy who formed testament what people bypass or 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 skip over when it comes to eric peterson he's the main songwriter True. So when you look at all these songs that Testament put out, and, and you sit there and say, "Oh, this is a great song. This is a great riff." Those are, that's Eric. Yeah. You know, and that's what a lot of people bypass. You know, they're you know Gene's great at drums, Steve's great at bass, you know, Alex's great at guitar, Chuck Billy's great at vocals. Eric Peterson's a great riff guy. He's a great rhythm guitar player. Without damn that, it, you don't have a band. Like you really don't. You, you like for instance. Um, there's a, there's a band with a lot of amazing musicians in it. I'm trying to remember the name, but um, this was a project that um, Tim Ripper Owens was brought into, and it'll come to me in a second. But basically, you have you have like a a um, super group that can't put out a song that's catchy, that's good, and um, it's it's a thing that's happened a thousand times. These super groups, you have all these amazing musicians together, but nobody that can write a good riff. And that's what Eric Peterson brings to the band bes- besides being, you know, that that constant rhythm section. Like he adds so much and and is what makes Testament Testament. Exactly. I mean, Testament is Testament because of Eric. I mean, and, and not only and not only is he a great rhythm player, he also plays lead. So there is some leads in there that yeah, yeah. you know we don't necessarily identify as being you know Alex, but shit. I mean, Eric definitely, like you said, he is the glue that makes Testament whole. That band you know, I was trying to absolutely. think of was Charred Walls of the Damned. I was oh, expecting well. a lot out of them because you have like some really good musicians in the band, but like it just. It's one, another one of those that like it comes out and you you listen to it once and you're like, all right. That's because that's because Ripper can't write his way out of a bag. But he, he doesn't know how to write a good song. He he doesn't, but he's still a great singer. And if he oh. had if he had the right people to to write the music for him, you know that that would be like Ozzy. 
I don't know what Ozzy's capable of, really. Like, I know he has an influence, and he comes up with some melodies. He, like, sings this. But, but like, if he didn't have great musicians playing with him, who knows where he would be now? Exactly. I mean, he, he might be humming something really well. <laughs> 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 All right. So that leads us to um, the latest uh, Testament album that came out last year, uh, April 3rd, 2020 Titans of creation was released and that was produced by Eric Peterson, Chuck Billy. And this time they added a guy named Juan Ortiaga. I believe it's how you say his name. Um, and, uh, it was again released on nuclear blast records. And this time it was recorded in one place, Trident studios in the renamed Pacheco, California, either either they moved Trident from Martinez to Pacheco, or they renamed Martinez to Pacheco, or it was re- redistricted or something like that. <laughs> so, um, when this, you and I, when we heard this album was coming out, we were both kind of excited. Um, and then when they released uh, the song that you picked, which was Night of the Witch, we were like, this is awesome. And then they came out with the song that I picked, Children of the Next Level, as their second single. So we're going to talk about Children of the Next Level first. Um, I think that's a really cool song. It's got some really nice gallop to the drums on it. Uh, It's an Iron Maiden type gallop. Um, It's got an early harmony solo that's quick and cool. Um, And that harmony solo is done again later in the song. Um, this song has a lot going on to it. I mean, it's got a lot of different things. It's almost uh, Metallica-esque, as in they threw in a, a bajillion different riffs in it. Um, but it, it, it all plays nice with each other, and it's a pretty cool song in the end. What do you think of it? So this is, again, kind of what I mean by less straightforward lyrics. Like, while it's obvious like what the, the lyrical content is, if you're familiar with Heaven's Gate... Um, if, if not, look it up. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's worth talking about in, in, you know, in this setting. Um, but it is an interesting subject. Um, so, you know, there's still an element that like you can kind of interpret these lyrics for yourself. Like if you're not familiar with what heaven's gate is, then there's, there's a lot to think about. So it's, it's not really straightforward. It's not just telling you this is what it is. Like there, there is an element of, um, you know, figure it out for yourself. Um, and I love that. Like, I love the guitar harmony. I, and you know, both solos are really good. It's a killer, you know, just in some ways a more simplistic focus, but also has like this room to breathe again. Like the, like the riff can breathe in the song, you know, when there's less complicated drums, but then there's this jazzy kind of bass drum combo where it's necessary. Like they really knew what they were doing with this track and, and putting it together. Um, nothing ever feels overwhelming. It never feels like there's too many notes or too many uh, drum beats or whatever. Like it's just really well crafted. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, it, how, how do I say it? I can't say it any better than you say well-crafted is, is is a perfect term for it because there's, like I said, because there's so much going on, it's all put together well. It is done very, very well. The song that you chose was the first single of the song of the album, Night of the Witch. What, what do you say about it? So there's so many things from like, for me personally that I love about this track and I didn't just pick it because I love it. Like it, it just, 
it brings a lot to the table. You know, the, the, again, the, the drum and bass combo is just, it's so perfect. Cause like you can just hear the power of the fretless bass. Like I, when I, when I think of fretless bass specifically, I think of, um, Obscura, they're a band I've talked about a few times in the past where it's very prominent in the tech death genre to hear the bass so kind of forward in the mix because it's it's not just a rhythm like there it becomes another instrument you know and and there's been a few bands that did that in the past in a different way you know the way that say Cliff Burton played bass it just becomes another instrument and it's not just the rhythm section you know and and fretless bass players um add that kind of dimension but in a different way like they they have the bass you know the the rhythm behind it but then there's this subtlety of switching the notes and 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 i i just i love what's being done here in this song um that you know the triplets that gene hogan is famous for um, are kind of mixed in just so perfectly they offset they're they're not there when they need to be you know they're there when they need to be it's it's got such a ripping riff you know the the vocals that chuck billy is i mean he he's it just sounds so forceful you know it's like it, it right in your face the song has breakneck moments but also breaks or, or slows down the speed when necessary you know, it's got an excellent sl- solo. It's got some sludgy elements where he's he's saying that all night. You know, it's just it's it's so like heavy and and you you just feel that sludge element to it. You know, it it's got so many things to it. Like to me, this song is one of the the culminations of like the good aspects of low, the good aspects of demonic. The, the modern sound, the understanding of where they came from, like with with the simplicity of of, uh, you know, the Old Testament sound mixed with that instrumentation and the knowledge of their their instruments. Like to me, this is one of Testament's best tracks ever, you know, and it's funny because I think the song could be even better. I know you do, but I disagree. And you know but. why? <laughs> um, I just, you know, it's it's. I I think this song is great, you know. But I'm always going to question the chorus because I think if they had done a repeat on certain portions of the chorus, or you know, added something to it, it would have been even better. And um, I just think that's where the song lacks. Although it's a great song, you know, it's one of those things where it's like man, this is really great. It could have been that much better. And I, I think that's a matter of personal taste because I like, I personally like the buildup where they only say that all night one time, the first time, and then it, and then it repeats later on. You know, there's, it's just, it's one of those things. Like, I think it's always going to be up to, to interpretation. However, I encourage you to create the, uh, the uh, Dean of Metal cut. You know what? I could probably do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this this song is outstanding and, and everything you said about it is 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 spot on. I mean, like I said, if it was only for, from in my in my personal taste, my personal opinion, because when you listen to a song and you in you know, you've you've over the years have always, you know, in your heart wanted to be a producer, 
there's certain things like you're, you're kind of used to certain structures and used to certain things. And so I'm like sitting there, you know, you get that first chorus and you're like, Oh, Oh, oh it stops here. Okay. Shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you were expecting that second portion of it. And I think it could have been that much more, but Hey, you know what? Um, I, I'm not going to fight. They're the professionals, not me. So, um, as a whole, this album is, uh, it's pretty cool. I have yet to really dive deep into this album. Uh, probably not as much as anywhere near as you have. Um, so it, it did come out last year. And, and, you know, obviously between, you know, one thing and another, you know, we have, we, uh, my time, I have learned to spread really thin <laughs> in my life, you know, between playing baseball, between this show, um, studying for this show, working full time, having two kids, and now they're doing their ballet and choir. You know, the fact that we're able to to put this out on a, on a timely manner every week is is incredible to me. <laughs> so I have not been able to dive too deep into this album, um, but from what I've heard, it is really good. Or the things that I have heard. Uh, of it is pretty good so um to the fact that even you know steve souza wrote one of the you know co-wrote one of the lyrics uh on the song um false prophet with chuck billy so that that tells you something there in their relationship what 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 are your thoughts on the album so i mean i'm a big fan of this era of the band and the chemistry of this particular incarnation you know it's it's just excellent you know this was a I mean, honestly, it's one of my favorites from the band. Like this is this is a really strong outing, I would say. Like the you know, it shows that they've learned from all the eras of their history. Um, you know, it's not much of a departure from Brotherhood of the Snake, but I think it is a step up in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, even the like the last couple albums, I think each one is a further understanding of who they are as a band. And, and for me, like I, like I said, I like when they take a less direct approach and kind of leave things open to interpretation and maybe are a little bit less sociopolitical. You know, that's, that's the big trend right now is everything has to be related back to social politics or just politics in general. And sometimes it's nice to have that, that, you know, I can I can interpret this how I want to aspect. You know, you the the musicians may have a specific thought in mind when writing something, but that's what the point of of, of metaphor is is to allow things to to be interpreted by the listener. So, I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was a great album. Uh, you know, I agree with you there. You know, I like those kinds of lyrics that are open to interpretation and even sometimes ones that are direct messages. If you, if you write it correctly, it's still uh, open to interpretation. I'm not saying everything has to be a a puzzle. um, Right. But at the same time, um, that's something that I do enjoy personally, but there are a lot of songs I like that are very straight up, you know, it just, it's, it's just dependent on the lyrical content. The, the, you know, there's, there's more to consider than just that, like the age of the band, the, you know, the, 
what they're presenting for you. Like there's, there's, there's a lot to think about in that regard. Absolutely correct. Um, all right. So one thing we, we talked about early on in, in the episode, we talked about how um, the first four albums, actually the first five albums from Testament, were all done by the same band, the same five members. There was no lineup changes whatsoever. Um, when it comes to the second uh, or the new era of Testament, um, while there were some lineup changes, specifically they went from Paul Bostoff to Gene Hoglan on drums, and then they went from Greg Christian to... Um, Steve DiGiorgio on bass, um, the last two albums, um, Brotherhood of the Snake and Titans of Creation, were done by the same band, all five guys. Um, and, you know, uh, Roots of Earth or Dark Roots of Earth were, was done. The only difference was Greg Christian was on bass. Um, so the, the band, basically Gene Hoglin um, has decided to leave Testament due to scheduling conflicts. Um, I actually, you know, it's sad to announce that uh, it just came out this this past week, and it's really, I, as I was telling you yesterday when we heard about this, it was it's not surprising to me only because I was concerned with the fact that he had his own side projects and I was wondering what he was doing with those side projects, and obviously now we know that he had plans done for the side projects, um, and they were conflicting wholeheartedly with <laughs> with testament so the question then becomes does testament end up getting a full-fledged member of the band as a drummer or do they have a guy who's going to tour with them and then gene can play with them on the next album that is to be determined um it's a, it's a shame that he's not going to be on the next tour but hopefully he can come back at some point yeah i mean especially like i said the the synergy like the the approach that these guys are taking their their knowledge of each other as musicians etc like this has been a really good time for the band so it it kind of sucks that he's stepping away but i understand too that you know if if it's conflicting with the things that you want to do then it, it can become a problem too so it it's best that he steps away if that's you know if that's where he's at right now so I understand, and hopefully we get another great Testament album, so we'll see. Yep. I mean, if, if you think about it, it won't come around for another two years because it's, you know, 2020 was the last one, so the the next one should come in 2024 <laughs> if that's if they keep going with their record. But you know, they're supposed you, to be going out on tour. You so. sometimes see, like, when a new person steps in, if there's really good chemistry or something like that, sometimes that's inspiring and can create a new album sooner than you think. So... I mean, That's Judas true. Priest was going to re retire at one point, and then Richie Faulkner comes in, and they're like, "Let's put out an album." So you never know. <laughs> much, much to uh, KK Downing's dismay. <laughs> well, yeah. It's all right. So after all is said and done, we have the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Um, what, what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, which one do you think is is the better version? So for me, I mean. The thing is, what I like about the New Testament stuff, I, I really enjoy the more melodic sensibility. I like the that they've learned from everything that they, they did before, and they can do the old stuff just as well, but I don't think the old band could do the new stuff, you know? So 
I tend to like the New Testament albums a lot more. I would say I enjoy three out of four a lot here. And um, as far as the old stuff, I really tend to more enjoy. Again, I would say three out of four, um, but more like two and a half out of four. So <laughs> so I'm, um, I'm going to go with New Testament for me. Okay, um, there's a lot to be said about Old and New Testament. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the New Order. I, I enjoy Practice What You Preach. But I think what I like about New Testament is that Chuck has been able to literally uh, hone in on exactly what it is that makes him a good singer. And he has perfected the style between his the, the growls and his clean vocals, and he's done such an absolute great job with that. That what really appeals to me now is the fact that they've really found who they are as I, Testament. I'm with I you. I think there. they really know where they belong, and to me, New Testament is definitely uh, the better. All right, so we're in agreement on this one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, those first four albums are are outstanding. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, and they are a different band, you know, from that time period. But I, I like the fact that they still can incorporate all that old stuff Agreed. into the new stuff. Totally. All agree. right. Well, that's it. So we, we both think that New Testament is the better. Um, so now will that show in our big four? Today's big four is the big four Testament albums. So... Um, I've done a lot of talking today, so why don't you go ahead and go first on this one? <laughs> like I haven't. Um, <laughs> all right. So my four, uh, starting with number four, obviously, I'm going to pick the legacy as my number four. Um, there, there are certain. I, I had a little bit of a debate on which one I was going to pick uh, in this place because there's one other album that uh, I think could have easily fit in there for me. Um, but what I like about the legacy and I really thought about this hard was, um, that is, you know, it, there's something to be said for that rawness of the first album. You know, there is something to be said for a band trying to make their mark and trying to put themselves out there. There's some occasions where the first album, you know, is rushed or doesn't really, represent what they are as a band but i think i think in in a lot of aspects this does you know yeah it has the occult lyrics that are a little bit different you know it has steve Souza's fingerprints on it which are different but um you can tell this is the beginning of where they would go and it was a long trek to get where they've gotten between this and titans of creation um so i i really enjoy it for for what it is, I can go back and listen to this album and always enjoy it. Um, and I think it just represents kind of this landmark in, in who they were and how they became what they became. So my number three is brotherhood of the snake. Um, I mentioned while we were talking about it, that I really enjoyed this album. There's a lot of songs that I think are some of their best, the pale King, um, Neptune spear. I really like brotherhood of the snake. There's so many more, like you said, you, you kept naming songs like what six out of 10 or 
I can't remember exactly how many tracks. Are yeah, on it was now. six out of ten. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I can listen to this album all the way through and pretty much enjoy it. Um, the, you know, there's there's a couple moments. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Stronghold, which was your pick, but but it's still like in the context of the album, I really enjoy it. So, um, you know, that's another kind of mark for for uh, New Testament. But I split things fifty fifty. Because the New Order, I think, is, like I said, it's easily debatable whether that's their strongest album or not. Um, you know, in the context of, of the time period, this was, you know, a, a landmark. Um, I I think that with this album, they were extremely smart in kind of tying everything in together with the, those kind of eerie... Um, and no pun intended because the first track is eerie inhabitants but like there's this uh atmospheric sound you know that they kind of tied in throughout the album and i thought that was always really great the songs are really good this is the band you know really coming into their own in a lot of ways because this no longer had foot or fingerprints from anybody else this was just those original five guys and uh, I think it's a great first outing for the band to be that band. You know, like it it's nobody stepping into anybody else's shoes. It's really like it stands up the test of time. The only thing that I think is lacking on some of these original albums is the the mixing. You know, it's it technology has just come quite a ways since that point and um not everybody had the the mixing that some of the, like the most standout bands like say for instance you know Ver, early Van Halen may have had or something like that so um that's I think that's the only drawback but at the same time like you you understand where it is in its history so uh and my number 1 is I, I got to pick it, T- Titans of Creation. I really enjoyed this album. I think it's it's one of, if if definitely not, um, Testament's best albums. For me, as a fan, it, it ticks all the boxes of stuff that I like. I, I love the, the lyrical content. I love the, the mixing. I love the, the, the synergy, like I said, of these musicians. Um, Night of the Witch, I think, is one of their best songs they've ever put out. I I really like exactly what you've mentioned before, where Chuck j- has just a more thorough understanding of himself as a vocalist. Um, and I say vocalist because it's not just singing. He does the growls. He does the, the harsh vocals. He mixes things up where they need to be mixed up. Like, it's just... It's a great album, and if you haven't really given it a chance, I definitely suggest just pick it up, you know, or listen to it on Spotify or whatever. Just give it a chance. It's really good stuff. Cool. I like this list you came up with. Um, Yeah, it's a split, 50-50 split. I like it. Um, It kind of, not not, not that it was a rule or anything, but you kind of almost had to go that way because, you know, yes, we like... You know, we chose New Testament over Old Testament, but there's still a lot of quality in that Old Testament stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, my big four, um, uh, I have some duplication f- 
to yours. Um, 50% of it, actually. Half of half of what you chose, I picked. Um, but they're in different spots. So my number four is Brotherhood of the Snake. Um, like I said earlier, I never really gave this album much of a chance. Uh, chance. Of a chance? Um, I never really gave this album much of a shot. <laughs> Uh, but it changed my mind um, after listening to it more and more. I really, really, really enjoy it now. Um, so I, I made that my number four. Now number three uh, is I'm gonna put. I'm putting this in here. There's. It's technically an album. It's but it's not necessarily new music. Um, it's re-recordings. First strike still deadly. Uh, like I said, I know it's a re-recording compilation, but technically it's an album that's in their catalog uh, that is part of the album list, not not live albums, or it's not a compilation per se in that regards. It's a re-recording. Um, and I like the modern production of it. Um, I think the energy is still there. It's a slightly different energy, but I think that between the production and the, and the different energy that's there and the vibe that's on it, I really, really enjoy it. Um, my number two is Dark Roots of Earth. Um, I keep going back to this album. I know you have a differing opinion on it than I do, um, but I, I really constantly go back to listening to this album. I enjoy certain songs on this album more than I enjoy certain songs from other albums. So that always gives it a nod. And if you get the deluxe version, you get those bonus tracks, which are really cool, especially um, their version of Iron Maiden's Power Slave. And last but not least, my number one is The New Order. Um, it was the first album I ever bought from Testament, and so it's pretty much always going to be my favorite. Um, it, it, like you said, it's got a lot of cohesion. It's got a lot of, um, uh, what's was, was that? Um, uh, what was it that you said about it? That besides the cohesion, is it the maturity level between one and the next? Mm-hmm. They've, 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 they've stood out on their own. They basically said, you know, Chuck Billy made a statement with that album by saying this is now my band kind of thing you know this is these are my words so um really cool i i you know my favorite album so there you go and i think it's important to note like like i said like we can have different opinions on this stuff and it doesn't matter like i can i can totally respect your opinion you know listen to what you like to listen to enjoy what you enjoy just don't be a dick about it i think that's the best approach like when when you're talking to other fans about music you know we're all kind of enjoy like we all love metal there's a lot of different types of metal and there's a lot to enjoy out there and there's a lot to appreciate even if it's not your particular thing like did you just call me a dick absolutely (laughs) (laughs) no i totally i get what you mean yeah just you know have a civil conversation (laughs) you know you don't have to agree I mean, Chris and I don't agree very often on certain things, and other times we agree absolutely wholeheartedly, you know, and that's what makes this show really cool, and that's why we debate all the time. Um, So, anyhow, that's our big four Testament albums for tonight, and that is the end of this episode, and I want to give thanks again to Darius from Westland, Michigan, for the episode suggestion and I encourage everyone to send in your ideas and suggestions. And if we like it, we'll do an episode just like this one on it. Um, so if you want to hear more from us, check us out uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, click the subscribe button and we'll be there for you every week. That's right. And don't forget to leave us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you catch us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment. And if you want to send us an email, send it to debatingmetal at gmail.com. 
If you use Spotify, be sure to check out our playlist from all our Greatest Hits episodes. And remember to tune in to the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe. And remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya.